0: That's homethreads.com slash parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting
1: deserves a great home. Home Threads, love where you live. Say goodbye
0: My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello everyone. So I have some exciting changes, or at least I think they are, and I hope that you do too. I am gonna be adding a second episode a week at least through March and see how that all goes. If it goes well, this will become permanent. Uh, I do have some questions to get caught up on, but that won't take too long if we go to two days a week. So in addition to that, I've been thinking a lot about how I can add more supportive information for parents. So I'm gonna be adding more in tips for parents looking to add in some self-care trying to balance self-care, including physical, emotional, social, and any kind of goals in any and all areas, how to balance parenthood with personhood. I think this is something I do pretty well. I've always been goal-oriented, and um, although I've gotten off the wagon a little bit with my physical health lately with the move, it's been a a little bit stressful, a lot of stuff going on. Um, I am getting back to it and because you know parents are people outside of parenting we're still people we still have our own needs and and our own desires and wishes and goals so how do we balance the needs of family ourselves as individuals as a couple if you're in a two parent household or as a single parent i know as a now single parent although my situation is a little different cuz we're co-parenting from the same house still Um, You know, but some of us single parents would like to entertain the idea of dating. Once COVID is finally over and slows down quite a bit, at least I know that I would like to get back out into that world and start finding um, a partner. I do love being in relationships. I love having that partnership. And so that's something I would like to be able to do and add to my life as a single parent. But everybody has their different things. And so this is an important part of being an adult, adult relationships, having adult relationships, whether they're friendships or romantic connections with a partner, finding new love if you're single and wanting to do that. Any kind of goals when it comes to careers or physical health or money, whatever our goals are to make ourselves better people, better for ourselves, better for our family. If you have other topics either in this area or other areas that you would love to hear me cover, please send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Let us know and I will talk about those as well. Um, just something to think about that as we improve ourselves as people, we are an example to our kids on how to do this, how to balance ourselves with others, how to keep ourselves as some type of priority, how you set goals and reach them, but, um, but also help support everyone how do we balance all of this weave everybody together definitely not easy Um, definitely a challenge but it can be really fun trying to weave all of this together and support everyone so they're all stronger as a whole as a family unit whatever that family unit may look like okay as you likely know if you've been following the podcast we are now settled and settling into San Diego life Two of the kids are back into swim practice this week. I have been finding all kinds of great outdoor activities to explore. Some things I'd love to do are still closed, so those are just on the list. But our wonderful new city, we are exploring this as a family. Last weekend, we went to Dog Beach in Del Mar, This is one of my favorite places on the planet. I got out of the car and I just said, I can't believe we live here. I can't believe we live here. I've wanted to come back here for eight years since before our oldest started kindergarten. And it just wasn't to happen at that time in life. And I kind of let it go for a while, didn't think about it anymore. And then this opportunity came up where my husband, ex-husband, was able to work remotely I still don't know what to call him, (laughs) Um, is able to work remotely. And so we made this decision as co-parents to move to a place where I really felt like we could settle in more long term. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later in the episode um, when it comes to family setting goals as a family and supporting everyone's um, goals and dreams. Okay. So anyway, we went to Dog Beach, wanted to take the dog down there. It's one of the greatest places in the world to see dogs run around and play together in the water, chase each other around. The kids got new boogie boards, Um, and so uh, they wanted to get out on the surf and play so we could do all this together. Sunday, we did this amazing urban hike through... Um, Balboa Park, if you've never been to San Diego or aren't familiar, it's a beautiful park with really, really old buildings. Um, I don't know when they're from. I need to learn a little bit more about the history of this city now that I have kids. Really should be learning about that, but beautiful old buildings, amazing architecture, beautiful big park. That And then there's an area adjacent called Hillcrest and North Park, and we hiked through that area over seven bridges. Four of them were walking bridges only. Um, It's just amazing. They're all different, different architecture. One was a suspension bridge. They're all different kinds. Um, The scenery and the architecture. I saw downtown through the trees, the different architecture of the different homes from Victorian to colonial to California craftsman style. Just, I love architecture. I think it's amazing. Actually, originally I wanted to be an architect and I didn't follow that dream for some reason. But I do love looking at architecture, the different kinds of buildings. We had lunch at this amazing restaurant, of course, you know, San Diego, so some of the best Mexican in the country. It was the best guacamole we have ever had, and this was according to the kids, and I have to agree. just It was super, super fresh ingredients. It was so good, it disappeared in minutes. The kids didn't enjoy the hike and the bridges. We now have this ongoing family joke about bridges. Every time I drive over a bridge, I mention it, and Carter's like, oh good, we can get out and walk across it. They did not enjoy the architecture and the bridges nearly as much as I did and their dad did, but um, it was just a fun thing that we all did together. These are memories they're going to have forever, and they're probably going to laugh about this. You know, even when they have kids of their own, they're going to talk about their parents dragging them across all these bridges around town. Okay. So I'm going to get them out So for more things that they will enjoy. So I've started asking them about the things that they would like to do. So I've asked about paddle boarding, kayaking, hot air balloon ride, perhaps. I've never actually done that before. A lot of great things we can do here. Okay. So some questions for this week. One of the questions I have gotten over time and I mostly from members so I haven't actually put it on the podcast but I got a couple this week one from a member I got one from a non-member several months ago that I'm now getting around to and so I really want to put this up on the podcast and that is a big milestone for a lot of parents and kids and one parents are excited for but they also can be a bit anxious about this and that's when and how to switch from a crib to a toddler bed so I'm going to cover that question Then I'm gonna get into some of the support and advice for parents about goal setting for parents. Okay, so Pam wrote in and she asked, "'Hi Erin, I haven't heard you talk about this yet, "'so pardon me if I missed an episode where you covered it. "'And if so, feel free to just send me "'to the right episode.'" Okay, so just as an interjection here, I agree. Like I said, I don't believe I've covered this topic in an episode and if I have, it was so long ago, I would have no idea if I did or what episode that would be in. So, in general, there are so many episodes at this point that I haven't that if I haven't covered a topic in the last few weeks, I am really no help in knowing which episode to send people to or recommend for any particular topic. I know if you do like a Google search for parenting on discipline and a topic, you may be able to find an episode number. Um, so, but it, even so, it's always good to give a refresher or cover a topic that's a new question because there's always differences and some nuances with each situation. So, um, I often cover a lot of topics, especially things like bedtimes and. Aggression, because it's something that comes up a lot for parents. Okay, so Pam, the rest of Pam's question. My daughter used to fall asleep fairly easily. She's now 23 months old, by the way, but lately she's been struggling a bit at bedtimes. It's not terribly long or loud, but we're wondering if perhaps moving her to a toddler bed will help. We're thinking perhaps she feels penned in and maybe is ready for a little more independence, especially in the mornings when she cries for us to get her. And this way she could potentially get out on her own rather than waiting for us and potentially waking her younger brother in the next room. Thanks for all you do. We love the podcast and I share with all of my friends who now listen. Okay, so this is a great question, obviously, because I do get it from time to time. Definitely something to address. So there are some things to consider before moving to a toddler bed. The first one is timing. Basically, you don't want to do anything when there is or are some other big changes on the horizon, like moving to a new house or a new sibling that is close to being born. You want to steer clear by about six weeks minimum on either side of a change. once you hit third trimester, if you're expecting a baby, I would say if you can, I would save it until later um, if you can get it done before you hit the third trimester because you never know baby baby's going to be early. Once you hit right about that third trimester, you're kind of on the cusp. If you are right there, maybe go ahead and do it if you feel like it's going to be pressing because otherwise you're going to be waiting. Now you got a new baby. Your baby's going to be tired or going to be getting up a lot in the middle of the night. And so then you're probably going to want to get through that phase before you start doing the bedtimes with the toddler. So that's one you really want to try to plan out. Um... Same thing with a move. If you're about to move in a couple months, you're kind of on the cusp there. It's great if you can get it down solid before you move, but if you're getting close to that two-month mark, you may wanna wait till after you move, get settled into the new house, and then do it after you've been in the house for a couple months. So long as your toddler isn't climbing out of the crib or getting close to climbing out of the crib, like you don't walk in and find them with one leg slung up over the crib edge, then there's no rush. But as soon as they start climbing over, it is time to make this move fairly quickly as it can be a safety issue. So if you think your toddler is getting close to starting to climb out, you have a big change on the way, it may be best to get this um, toddler bed move done sooner rather than later, but this is something you can kind of balance what you feel like is gonna be the best for this, your scenario, based on your scenario. So, because there's so many variables here to balance out if, when they pertain to your situation. Another thing to consider, if your toddler isn't great at falling asleep on their own in their crib, so you're doing the bedtime routine, they're struggling not just to fall asleep, but they're in need of some interference in order to fall asleep, like a parent being present in some some way or another, they need a back rub, they need rocking, they need cuddling, they need to be holding a hand, they need you sitting there in order to fall asleep, the toddler bed won't fix that. What it will do is make it so that your toddler can come and get you instead of staying in their crib and fussing or crying or yelling. Now this isn't necessarily bad. It's just different. It's just a decision that you may want to make about what works better for you. Do you want to fix the issue while she's still in the crib or while she's still in it or would you rather do it while they're in a toddler bed? Once they're in a toddler bed, it means potentially multiple trips of taking toddler back to bed repeatedly. Some parents prefer this routine over the crying or yelling. They feel bad about the crying or yelling, but picking their child up and taking them back to bed, they can handle that really well. So whatever feels better for you, totally understandable. If walking or carrying your toddler back to bed 75 times in a two-hour period, now this is extreme, but it's not unheard of for a persistent toddler. So if you're doing this and this is for the first several nights and you feel you're up to this task and you can keep your cool because um, as I've mentioned before, the moment you lose your cool, you're setting the bar even higher for getting out of bed. So if the toddler gets out of bed 60 times and on 61 times you lose your cool, you just set the bar for 61 times for the next night. So if you feel you can stay the course, you can keep your cool, you can keep walking them back to bed, and you can do this for three to five nights until that improvement sets in, then the toddler bed is an option. Now, if you know your toddler isn't super persistent and you know you're gonna be maybe doing this 20 minutes and you're gonna have to do this 15, 20 times, that's a lot less. Again, um, that 75 times over two hours is extreme, Most toddlers will only test for 20 to 45 minutes the first night and then drop down to being very minimal by night three to four. So getting out of bed maybe two to three times. So it's greatly reduced by night five, pretty much over. Every so often they will retest it. So two weeks, a month later, they may try getting up a couple of times of night. They may come up with some great little excuses, some new ones that they wanna try out. I'm thirsty, I gotta go to the potty. I need my, you know, whatever. My little toy truck, they're going to try a couple things. So you just want to be ready for that. But so long as you keep the boundary, the test is going to be really short-lived. Now, I think most parents uh, probably have convertible cribs that they get nowadays that turns into a toddler bed. This makes it feel like a lot less of a change for your toddler. Um, Using that half side, I remember we had this kind of half side on it. So there's one little section where they can have to, you know, kind of slink up to, to crawl out or to kind of get themselves out. It's a nice transition. It feels safe and cozy. It's still kind of like a crib. They're still kind of enclosed, but it offers that piece of protection from falling out, but also a little bit more freedom for them to start getting used to being in a bigger kid bed. And one of the things a lot of parents will try is getting a great bed that the kid loves, the race car bed. Um, They get all excited. Let's get the princess bed. Let's get the race car bed. And those are great. Um, It's great because the kids will love their bed, but it isn't probably going to make it any more exciting for them to stay in bed at bedtime. They love it in their room. um, They do get uh, attached to it over time, but it isn't something that's going to make that transition necessarily any easier. So just be aware of that. Next Be sure to keep the bedtime routine the same. You wanna keep everything the same as much as you can. This will help the transition be as smooth as possible. So whatever order you're doing things in, you're doing them, laying them down in their bed, you're laying them down in their crib, now you're gonna lay them down in their bed the same as you did in their crib for them to fall asleep on their own. Some parents see little to no issue when switching over from the crib to the toddler bed if their child was really good at falling asleep in their crib. They may only get up one or two times, some of them not at all. It's rare, but it does happen. They may only get up a couple of times, test it out a little bit, and then that's it for them. If you aren't sure what to do, how to handle these multiple attempts at leaving the room, or how to manage staying your cool, the sleep toddler class, and if you want some more guidance on staying cool, the peaceful parenting part two class gives lots of tips, steps, guidelines for handling the scenario of staying cool when things are getting a little stressful and they're pushing your buttons, along with many others too. So you go in with a solid mindset and a plan. There are several options and this way you can be armed with the one that feels best for your parenting style and your toddler's temperament for getting them to stay in their room at bedtime. In general, I just alluded to this. It's really helpful to remember you cannot force them to fall asleep, but you can set the boundary and expect them to stay in their room until they get sleepy and fall asleep on their own. Now, I remember when we did this with our twins, we went through this. This was a fun tag team effort between me and my co-parents the first several days. What I really remember though was Chandler, who for whatever reason did not love falling asleep in his bed. He loved falling asleep in all kinds of positions and all kinds of other places in his room. So I would um, come in. I have a whole slew of pictures actually that I took. It was just like this series of pictures of him falling asleep on his floor. You know, We did that whole um, infant slash toddler thing with the legs tucked under and the bum in the air um, of him on the floor in various positions (laughs) Uh, and then also on his rocker. He, I have many pictures of him either on the ottoman, on the little footstool, him falling asleep on there all curled up or tucked under, him on his chair tucked up under one leg hanging off, um, just this whole slew of pictures of him falling asleep in various places where he would stay in his room, but not necessarily in his bed. That was fine. When we would go to bed, we'd go in, pick him up, put him in his bed, and there he'd stay the rest of the night, and that was fine. Now, of course, you know, for years after that, since he's been in his bed, stays in his bed, all fine. But um, but yeah, for that first year of toddlerhood, he just thought it was, he just wanted to fall asleep in other places. I also remember my daughter, um, this only happened a couple times, I have a picture of her at the top of the stairs. So we came up to bed one night and she's just laying across the top of the stairs. She came out of her room, but she knew that if she came down to us, she was going to get taken back to her room. Or maybe she just got really sleepy at the top of the stairs. I don't know, but I have a picture of her laying across the top of the stairs that she did one or two nights. Okay, so I want to get into talking about parents, us as parents, as people, and how do we get to work on that? What what kind of guidelines do we have for setting our own goals and our own boundaries? And this is one I'm going to talk about on a much a bigger scale, kind of a bigger picture thing. And then over the following weeks, we're going to talk more about doing um, just some more like day to day or um, things, that, more guidelines for working day to day on our own um, on our own stuff and balancing that with family. Right after a word from our sponsors. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to a hundred times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HIPAA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Now that we're back after the break, I want to share some experience with my balancing adult needs and goals with parenting goals. So, going forward, I'm going to talk a lot about you know setting this foundation for um, the strong parenting. So, you know, setting these strong foundations, these strong boundaries, expectations for family, um, strong connections is going to leave more room. And more time for everyone's goals. So you know, when you get those bedtimes under control, and you have toddlers and infants who are now falling asleep in their own space, in their own time, at 7:30, 8 o'clock at night, gives parents more time to plan and work on their own stuff. Keep the you know, go and get some of the housework done. But then you know, if you want to go back to school, it opens up that opportunity once you get some behavior struggles under control. Um, Having a strong foundation, especially as the kids start to get towards early elementary school, because there's this great foundation of respect, and um, they'll be more independent as they can do more stuff for themselves. Setting those boundaries, those expectations about what they should be doing for themselves is going to free you up as parents to be able to set your own goals, work on your own stuff a lot more easily. So we as parents set the course for our families we see the big picture that kids may not and most likely do not see. Now, I'm going to talk here about bigger picture stuff today. So as one instance, a move. Now, I went through many moves as a kid, and although I wanted to avoid that for my kids, we just went through a move ourselves with our kids. But this was big picture stuff for us, and I'm going to talk about my move as a, my moves as a child, as well as our move, and why we decided to do that. And then I'm going to talk more about setting up these um, the parents being in charge of the foundation for the family. So, when I was a child, we moved a lot, and you know, it was okay when we moved in elementary school, it wasn't too bad. Now, I do want to bring into the equation here, and I've talked about this before, is that I did have a fairly abusive childhood, mostly emotional abuse, um, some physical abuse as well. And I also realize now, looking back, that this led to a huge lack of self-esteem, a lack of feeling wanted or needed, valued in my family on so many levels. And so I really was craving some solid foundation, some security that I got through friendships and through... um, having the same schedule, the same school, the same teacher, I, I really needed that and craved that because I didn't have a solid foundation of security at home. So I think those moves affected me much more than they would have had I had a more secure foundation at home. So I, when I originally made this plan or this idea that I didn't want to move my own kids, I wasn't thinking about the fact that that was probably play, played a huge part for me. In my own childhood, and why moves were very difficult for me. So when I was a child, like I said, we moved a lot. We moved elementary schools. When I um, started kinder, I had kindergarten in Oregon, and we moved to Pennsylvania after three days of first grade. So I started first grade partway through. I had to walk into the classroom, not knowing a single soul. After school had already started, that was pretty tough. I got picked out by the bully. I was the new kid. I obviously, like I said, did not have much self-esteem. So I was definitely a target. Um, so that definitely set things up. Not great. Um, that one did go away after a little bit of time. I made friends. Things were great. We stayed at that school for quite a while. Then my parents moved us in fourth grade to not very far away, um, to a town pretty close. And when I went back to middle school, some of those kids I knew in elementary school were back in my middle school and high school, when I was in early high school, my parents moved out to the Bay Area for six months. My dad, my dad's company had a contract with a company out in the Bay Area and they wanted to take advantage of that. So I was in ninth grade, we went out to the Bay Area for six months. That was pretty tough because it was temporary. It was hard to make friends because they all knew I was there temporarily, and I knew I was there temporarily, and I couldn't wait to get back home to my friends. Got back home to my friends at the end of ninth grade. My parents had told me if I started 10th grade in school, they weren't going to move us or pull us out in the middle of the school year. Well, my dad got a job in Colorado. They did pull us out in the middle of the school year, and I remember the first day starting 10th grade, I was like, felt so relieved because I was like, okay, they're not going to move me this year, but sure enough, they did anyway. I moved to a new school in 10th grade in Colorado, and that was an extremely difficult move. I never really quite, I don't want to say recovered, but it was really tough. Um, I did make friends eventually, but it was it was really tough. I never made friends like I had had before. And, um, but looking back, I realized that that was about my parents, my dad's need especially. He really struggled with the winters back east, and they really were looking for a place with more sunshine days. And that was really what they needed. Now again, if we had if I had had a stronger foundation at home of security, that move probably would have been a whole lot easier for me. So This gets to my next point and that is, if there's changes you need to make in your family, if this is something that the parents need that is for the best for the family, there's a big promotion. If it is about your mental health, something that you need to get out of an area, Um, if there are some toxic relationships, family relationships that you need to get away from, or you wanna move closer to family. There are a lot of great reasons, long-term reasons, bigger reasons that you may wanna move the family. In our case, Because we had decided to separate, and part of that separation eventually is going to be two different homes, I was looking at homes in the area where we were living, and also looking at land because I really wanted to have land and just build the house that I really wanted to build and live in the house I really wanted to live in. But every time I was looking, I just couldn't commit to anything. And I realized it was because I didn't want to stay there. As soon as the kids were done with high school, I was not going to want to stay in Santa Clarita. So it was really difficult to think about investing in a property, whether it was a house that was already built or in a piece of land in a place that I really didn't feel connected to. So we started talking about where we wanted to live. And I, like I said, always wanted to come back to San Diego. And so we started talking about San Diego. And when we started looking at it and talking about it and visiting down here, I was like, yep, this is where I would like to be. And so I could see a long-term for us, this is a better place. There's great colleges down here. If the kids wanna stay local for college, there's a lot of great options here. Um, I would love it if they would settle here with their families, and they're more likely to settle here if we're already here. And if they've grown up here and if they're used to the area, it's a lot more likely they're gonna come back here than if we had stayed in Santa Clarita and then moved somewhere else after they all left the house, they're not gonna be as likely to come to a new city or settle in a new city that they haven't become accustomed to yet. So I saw this and, and my parenting partner, we saw this as more of a legacy for their generations to come as a place they may be interested in raising their families where we would stay and retire and we could be around their children, the grandkids, we would much more likely to all stay together as a family unit than had we waited till they left high school and then moved. So that was the reason long term we felt like this was much better. Also, even just short term, so many more things to see and do here, so much more to explore, to get out, and it gets us out together as a family, so much more than we were able to do where we were, just a very small town. And there were things definitely to do down in LA, definitely to go to Ventura, some great places, but it's not quite the same as having it so close as we do here. So, another big family change that some of you may be considering right now, maybe thinking about, this has brought this out a lot with COVID for a lot of families, is divorce is another big change for families that is very tough. We parents feel very guilty when we have to share this news with our children. And I know I did. I know I went through a lot of guilt. And I do have an episode, um, episode 201, where I talk about the how common it is for the negatives. We hear so much about the negatives of effects of divorce on children. And the truth is that those negatives can very much be mitigated and minimized in three different areas. So if you're curious about that, with the right choices and the right environment and with the parents working together in particular ways, those Three main areas that can actually lead to negative outcomes can be completely obliterated in the right circumstances. So, you may want to go back and listen to that because, you know, I know in our situation in particular, and I think pretty every situation, no one walks away easily. Everyone gives their 100%, 110% to doing everything they can to stay together, working together, trying to figure out the best way to um, fix a relationship that isn't working. And so we don't walk away unless it really just isn't working, especially when there's kids involved. Nobody wants to put their kids through that. Nobody wants to go through that. But, you know, um, I've definitely gotten through to the other side. My co-parent has gotten through to the other side. I have many friends who've gotten through to the other side who say they're just so much happier. And that happiness is extremely important. It's extremely important for the family. And kids are resilient, and if we help them through in the right ways, we help support them through it. These big changes, being the foundation for the family, setting the course for the family, showing them how to work through the tough times, really helps them develop their good, solid coping and resilience skills. And so that they learn that the hard stuff in life isn't nearly so hard when they have those skills, and sometimes the challenges can even be a little bit fun. So just remembering that we as parents are the foundation for our kids, for the family, for the goals, for the values that we set. Working through this stuff ourselves, seeing the big picture and helping our kids in their own limited way, understand the big picture. And as they get older, they will. And they will appreciate us teaching them these things. They may not get it right now, We're definitely there to listen to their feelings. We're definitely there to help them and support them through every way that we can, whether it's helping them work on friendships, it's helping them find friendships, it's helping them get readjusted after it's working with our co-parent or our spouse through these big changes in life. And this is absolutely the most amazing thing that we can do for our kids because life is just not easy. It's never easy. Well, it's easy on occasion, but for the most part, life just isn't easy. So we're helping them learn that and learn how to deal with that so that it can be a lot more fun for everyone. If you're interested in learning more about positive disciplines for setting that solid foundation, for setting solid communication, respect, boundaries, expectations, support for your family helping them build and maintain that, raising responsible kids, which also falls right into this, helping them learn to be more responsible at what ages, the growth mindset, which sets up all of this. All of those will help them with their coping and resiliency skills. Also the temperament class, because some kids will struggle with it more. You can see those or any of the 60 parenting classes on the website at yourvillageonline.com. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, including any of the new stuff I'm starting to get into about supporting parents, if you have some goals, some things you're looking for, you've got young toddlers, if you've got school age kids, you want to start trying to figure out how to make some steps forward, please send it to me. Send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again this week.